Hello. Oh, hello, Merlin, man. How are you today? Oh, I am great today, Dan. It's Tuesday. It's the Optimistic Day. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fine. I mean, I can't complain. Mm, I'm not one of the, listen. I'm not the type, yeah, I'm not the type to complain. Yeah, I got mixed feelings. I really do like complaining. Yeah. But I don't like that I complain. No. 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 I, I don't listen. I mean, to me. Um, and that's, that's frustrating, but you know, but it's, it's, it's good. It's the optimistic day. It's a Tuesday. What is it? Today's, uh, uh, it's, it's February 15th. Yes. Means we passed yet another, uh, empty holiday, which is good. Mm-hmm. It's finally over. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, they talk about a thing in, uh, in, uh, in Catholicism, I think it's called precana, which is a thing where, uh, I, I only know that term. <laughs> hmm? What's funny. <laughs> What's funny is, yeah, go ahead. Is that the term for what you're talking about? I thought that was a religious thing that related to Catholicism and marriage. It does. Okay. It does. Well, what did I say? I don't know. You said it. I don't know. You said it. I did that. I did that. (laughs) Um, Let's see. I I don't really, let's see if I'm not, you know, I'm, while I was raised as a Christian, I'm not uh, an endemic Catholic. If memory serves pre-cana, God, I want to say it's a... A course or a, a consultation for couples preparing to be married in the Catholic Church. I feel like that's. Oh, you know what? Now I remember. It's derived from uh, John two one through twelve. Mm. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, you know, it's confusing to me that they have different books with different names, and some of them are the same. So you can have a first or a second Thessalonians. You know, you can have uh, a first and second John. You know, like for example, you got. Uh, a beloved, let us love one another for love is of God, and everyone that knoweth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth us not knoweth not God, for God is love. First John 4, 7 and 8. Now, if you turn a Bible verse into a song, a child will remember it. You know? Um, did that work for you? Did you did you find a way to hum along? I mean, I'm always humming along to everything mm-hmm. that you say. Don't eat the shrimp and don't eat the goat and get out of desert. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, uh, you, you, touch, you touch the scroll with your Methuselah. Is that right? Touch the pan. Touch the pan. Only British people can fly. Um, 969. Nice. Nice. Oh. <laughs> nice. Nice. Great success. <laughs> um, my, uh, one of my dear, dear, dear friends, uh, and bandmate informing the band Bacon Ray. Yes, Bacon Ray, who the um, Ray. We were, makers we were, of our we theme were, song. Oh, God, that's right. We did that. Um, we were good, but we were bad. We were drunk, but we were nice. And uh, Mike Coleman, hi, Mike, uh, he, uh, he, the other guitar player, and the reason that I can't hear, especially women, uh, because it turns out that a Les Paul uh, played through an orange amp is takes a wo- out the is range. A woman, woman tone. It takes out the woman tone yeah, title. Yeah, yep. Uh, that's what Pete Townsend says. Um, so, well, you know, he took out that tone for a different reason. He was just doing research. God. Just asking the question is, uh, the Joe Rogan experienced, yeah, yeah. uh, I, he <clears> taught <throat> me, so he's fixing to, uh, to marry, uh, his lady friend, Amy. Hi, Amy. And, um, I always liked Amy's name cause it was spelled A I M E E, which I think is French for like, uh, uh, she's loved, which is nice. And, and Mike was saying, you know, uh, she and her family were very devout, uh, Catholic. Catholics mm-hmm. and uh, you know uh, uh, Brady's bits. I was uh, I was I participated in his wedding. I think I wore a tuxedo. It's mm. in Miami, and um, but they had to go through precana. And precana um, is such an interesting idea. When he told me about this, 
it was so scary to me. See, so you you have heard of this, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I had a friend who were having a Catholic wedding and uh, went through this process. How would you? I mean, setting aside the internet science site that I read from. Now, First John four seven and eight, I did that off the dome, um, but I did read off the internet science page. What's your understanding of precana? That uh, this is something that. People who you're, uh, you're going to get married in the church, yeah, they're Catholic like, and they want they right. want a Catholic wedding and they are practicing Catholics or their parents made them do it and so they go to meet with a priest or in a special class or something I think like that. It's I mean on the one hand if it, and again I I don't know right. I don't know this actually it's really just to make a dumb point that's not necessary but that's my career um, <laughs> is that is that <laughs> I think there is an aspect of it that's like oh you know they hand you a pamphlet that says. So you've decided to marry Catholic. And of course, they talk to you about, you're, uh, you're going to come in, your friends will come. There's a lot of sitting, a lot of standing, a lot of kneeling. Only four or five people understand what it means. But yes, read the pamphlet. Don't make me tap the sign. You're going to have to like get good with the Lord on this. Mm-hmm. You're going to become a Catholic. And I think there is a very sort of prescriptive part, I believe, Forgive me, I, I really am not trying to saying this to take the Mickey. It's just as my understanding of it was like, hey, so this is what's going to happen in your wedding. But also, we do need to talk about like how this will be a good Catholic marriage. And there are, you know, beliefs about, you know, what you can do, what you don't do, having kids. But he says the most fascinating part, the part, again, now this is the part, I'm not I ain't scared of God, but I am scared of the women that I cannot hear owing to his amp. Mm. But uh, but apparently you sit down and they do a kind of weird like prisoner's dilemma thing with you where they're like, okay, pop quiz, hotshot. When are you going to have a kid? How many? Mm-hmm. How are you going to raise them? Do this thing. All the things that, that would set you up for a successful marriage. Yes, or all the things that history has shown us tend to pop up when they don't go great. Mm-hmm. Like, you never talked about this. Right. And I've been through every single one of these. Certainly, I've been through the, oh, gosh, I guess we should have talked about whether, we're, we, whether when, if we're going to have a kid. Yeah. What's well, a really crummy thing to not talk to somebody about if it takes five years to realize you had two different ideas? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I think it's such an interesting idea. Um, and I feel like, I feel like that's, that's a thing we should do with lots of people in our life. We should have a version of pre-canna where we work things out. If I could go back and start over, my version of pre-canna, my secular pre-canna would be, hey, how are we going to deal with what the constellation of potential gift-giving events in life? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I'm, I'm deliberately making that kind of vague because... Okay, let's take the extreme ends of the spectrum. On the one hand, like, you know what? I like you well enough. We did get married. We do have a kid. I'll probably get you something for Christmas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's your birthday. Maybe it's a big birthday. You know, we we'll might have a, a party. Again, I'll probably... Oh, God, here they come. Hang on. Oh, God. <gasps> no bang-bang machine, oh, but no. I do have hiccups. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is an occupational hazard. Um, Because of the chase. I think... A conversation worth having uh, is what events are canonical in our house? Like, if you are a Christian or pseudo-Christian family, or maybe you just like, you know, uh, Christmas trees, like, this is how we're going to handle that. But I think you need to have the conversation. Like, I would like to say, hey, look, if you want to, like, 
Uh, if we go out, want to go out to breakfast on Father's Day, that's fine. But please don't feel obligated to like get me something. Like, why would I say it that way? Because if you don't know what the canonical things are, you can really screw up. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, I mean, absolutely. The kid thing is, you know, complicated, but also I think you should be able to say to people, you know what, we're just not going to do Valentine's Day because Valentine's Day is a crooked, corrupt holiday that just makes everybody feel bad. There's, there's like, there's, there's one person in America who felt good yesterday, <laughs> and that's somebody who got into a relationship the day before and got flowers. That's, that's right. it. That's right. That's right. I mean, the the real outlier, and I I say this, I don't, I'm not looking down my nose. Like, if you're not in a relationship, and like, especially if you're kind of young and you're expected to be on Instagram, you know, photographing your feet on a boat with somebody successful, like, ugh. Like the last thing you want to think about on Valentine's Day is like how you're not in a relationship. Right. And if you are in a relationship, do you think about stuff like, oh, are they going to like, if I don't get nice enough flowers, should I pop for the nicer container for the flowers? I I know it's okay. I'm your sin eater, America. You don't have to think about this because I'm thinking about this for you. I'm giving you cover to realize that this is a stressful issue. I think, I think it's a, it's a dumb holiday. I I, to- I I agree with you. I completely agree with you. I can't can't argue with that. I think it's uh, you know it's like a commercial opportunity kind of thing. It's a sales yeah. mechanism. I remember hearing uh, I want to say in the '90s where like uh, in the, I always associate this with the rise of uh, Martha Stewart, which was probably the least of the Star Wars movies. Mm. But during the rise <laughs> of Martha Stewart. <laughs> during the rise of the Martha Stewart era, uh, you know they say that Halloween climbed up to become the number two holiday in America in terms of spending and participation. I wish uh, it was right. number one. It should be number one. It's the only holiday I care now, about. Now, see, that's good. They the, the priest should sit you down in his weird little office and talk about that. Yeah. Father Damien, is it right to celebrate Halloween? Is it right to buy a Chrysler? <laughs> it's, a, it's a beautiful day. Uh, the Bang Bang Machine. Oh, by the way, I found out where the Bang Bang Machine sleeps. Oh, where? I can send you a photo. Yeah, I want to um, see it. Oh, and also, yeah, by the way, the, I, and this is the reason yeah. I mentioned this during our conversation Please. is because I actually have a, a, some advice I need from you about it, but I'm waiting for a delivery that I have to sign for. And oh, so terrific. I have my little, of course, you know, even though I scheduled it for a different time, it's, it's, you know, it's coming during the show, but I have my blink camera, which I bought on, as you would say, on a lark. Um, and I, I have a blink camera camera that is pointing that up. out my front window so that i can oh, I see. see oh sure i would love to address that well you know the reason they ask you like hey can we schedule a time you know we come out and, and fix a dyna cobble mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. <laughs> you can imagine what happens next mm-hmm. he fixes the cable and then what does mod say don't be fatuous jeffrey oh that's right thank you i need to rewatch that part i'm not up to that part yet in my rewatch log, log jamming yeah um and uh the reason they ask oh, you there they is, are they're walking up right now that can see are you them walking even up. kidding me no. that's okay you i'll be right back riff. i'll be right back i'll be right back okay hey everybody it's your old pal merlin uh let's see i got a few ideas prepared for today but i'm i'm pretty open i did i did a kind of prep i know y'all like the ones where i prepare uh sometimes the way i prepare is uh i think the most fecundity comes out of when i half prepare for a handful of things and then that gives you some runway. Well, if I'm being honest, it gives me some runway, you know, to decide where to go with it. I can gauge how Dan feels about it. So I have a few topics today. I got some tech topics 
some tech adjacent topics. Uh, I have a new life project that I am undertaking that I'm hoping I can share with Dan. Now, this is the most exciting part of this new project, uh, which Step Zero needs a better name. It's currently called the Energy Project or the Energy Reboot. But I want to present that idea to Dan, and I want to just kind of lay out the general outlines to y'all, and then I'll add color. Well, think of it this way. If you were Rob Liefeld and you were doing something called the Energy Project, well, first you make sure there's no feet in it. That's the second feet reference. Well, technically now this is the fourth. Is that, um, is that uh, you know, you do your pencils, then you do your inks, you know, and then you do your colors. And so t- today is going to be just a very rough pencil sketch. Um, you know, it is what I'm thinking of, the Energy Project. Uh, as long as he's going, let me see what else I've got here. Uh, I'm clicking in my document. Oh, yeah, I was wondering if Dan had done anything else with task paper. Uh, number Hi. two, I, I, oh, hey, bud. How'd it go? Did you sign? It's good. I signed it, and I had to sign on his iPhone. I was like, ew, ew. I use my knuckle for that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just, my fingers and palms. Should I edit that out, things. or should we leave that? Were you entertaining the, the people? <laughs> Couldn't say, but I'd leave it in. I'll leave it. We don't edit for content. No. No, I don't like when that, I mean, like, for example, like I taught my kid when you're getting on Muni, like, don't touch anything on Muni. No. And like, I I realize I look really mental, but whenever I descend (laughs) steps, imagine my hand being not a tight fist, not an angry fist, but a defensive fist title, which is, that's what (laughs) I use to steady myself because of my uh, uneasy gait. And I, I kind of just, I glide that part of my hand down. But you see people, Dan, Dan, you know what I was thinking about the other day? What? I had a dream about, I, I dream about Lunar Lander sometimes. The thing and, on the moon? Uh, the Atari game. Oh, the Atari, have like, yes. Remember the handle you grab? And go, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. um, I think about that. Do you ever think about that? You ever think about when you go play video games? And we play Robotron. You got your hands on two different red knobs, like a, like a, like a like a like a like a brace of big nips, <laughs> and and then you have some pizza, and you go see the entertaining uh, comedy mouse play, yeah, yeah. and then you come back, you have more pizza, more Robotron. Mm. You ever think about that? You ever think about all the kids, all the pizza hands, all the snot that's been all on those nips? Yes, I actually do think about that. I think uh, about yes. it now. I didn't think about it then, but I will hope to shout. I think about it now. Um, a, a brace of nips. Okay. Yes. Um. Uh, but you, I, when I sign things and they make you sign things, yeah, I usually, um, so I take my index finger. Do I use the tip? I do not. Mm-mm. I curl it and then I never know how to count knuckles, but the one, you know, that's, you know, the, the last knuckle before it turns into hand, mm-hmm. I use that. Mm-hmm. And then I go, and I go scrubble, scrubble. I don't, I don't like, I don't want to touch that phone. No. You know, it's like we say about bathrooms. I don't know if you remember this, Dan. One time, uh, I should find this for notes. One time we, we did an episode of this program. <laughs> in From the in bathroom. We were both in the... We were both reporting live from the bathroom yes, floor. Yes, yes. And I think, if memory serves, we, we played a bathroom as a D&D module. Yes. Yes. Uh, expedition into the barrier bathroom. That's right. That's the good one. That's, That's the one basic, where, it's, where it's I basic, think that was yeah. a, what inspired Gamma World. Oh, really? I think so. Is that that spinning turtle in the Godzilla movie? <laughs> That's Gamera, but yes, well, yes. Hmm. I'll go with and that. If, I, if I'm to be your Gamera, you know, then who will be your face? Mm-hmm. As Michael Stipe said. Mm-hmm. See, that's super funny to two and a half people. There's people anyway, out there who get it, and they they really get it. If I'm to be your Gamera. Um, that's a great line. If I'm to be your camera, who will be your face? Um. Okay, 
Uh, I was just telling her, uh, I don't like to address the listeners, but I got, got a handful of things here. Now, you had, now what is it you need? You need advice about something? Well, yeah. I Let's mean, do a pre flight. We'll do a quick pre flight. Okay. Um, I, you know, in one of. This is, no, we're not talking about the talk, topic. We're talking about talking about the topic. One piece, right? yeah. One piece of advice okay. that I need is uh, I need to explain the problem I'm having with this blink camera. That's one thing. But then I also wanted to talk to you about eliminating some um, subscription app services that um, <laughs> that I've been looking into. So come on, is this sponsor? Is this Poncon? No. Are you trying to get rid of scammy subscriptions? No, 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 no. I have. Oh. Um, it's a it's a creative cloud uh, situation. I want to talk. Oh, about. Jiminy Christmas! Yeah. So Dan's um, Dan's advice, which he's kindly posing as advice, n- n- needs is that you want to know how to deal with. Oh boy, you know it's what our friend John Roderick calls eels, but you know, and I don't know if that's exactly the right you know animal term, but the things that attach to you. Yeah, uh, um, remoras. Oh, okay. The now, little remora, sucker fish, right? Is Remora, is that, what is that called? Is that called uh, a hentai suit or is that, what's Ultraman? A Remora, sometimes called a, a sucker fish, is a family of the echinidae of raven uh-huh. fish. Echinacea. Depending on species, they grow to 12 to 43 inches long. Their distinctive first dorsal fins take the form of a modified oval, sucker-like organ with slab-like <laughs> structures that can open no, and close to create you. suction and take a firm nope. hold against the skin of larger marine <laughs> mammals. Where yep, 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 they yep, are yep, not yep. eels and should not be confused with eels. And um, I don't think that there are any eels. So when you say remora eel, that's not a thing. There is a blood sucking eel, but that is yeah. more like uh, a lamp. I, I, I think that's a lamprey. <laughs> oh, okay. I think you're thinking of bacon ray. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we got that. Um, the, the thing I mentioned to our listeners that I want to posit. Uh, if we have time and I don't know if we do, but I, if, if you have time for me to do a stem winder, I want to talk about a new project I've undertaken mm. that I'm calling for now the energy project. Oh. And I would accept workshopping on better names for that. I follow up on universal control. Um, spoiler alert. It's the tits. It's amazing. Uh, I want to talk about my, uh, continuing, I'm putting something back on your plate in our parlance, okay. which is I want to talk a little bit more about my, uh, I'm calling it the evolving world of text. I this see. Is, well, and it's kind of like I'm developing a little bit more clarity about the role of different apps and services in my world of text. And I'm nowhere near settled on this, but this is apropos of the uh, Visual Studio stuff, which is still kind of blowing my mind. Yeah. And I wanted to talk about an old app that's come back to me, which is Ulysses. And oh, the benefits okay. Okay. of, well, the benefits of just a spoiler alert sub two. A benefit of text files, regardless of what the suffix is, is they're light, they're portable, they're easy, but they're almost too easy. And I'm becoming more attracted to the idea that whether or not this is a buffer of text, if it's a buffer of text, I can do different things with it. But the app I choose to interact with it Mm -hmm. gives me some clarity about what I'm doing with this. So I'm just futzing around with that, but I think it would be fun and a nice way to promote some, uh, some cool apps. That's most of what I've got. Did you have any other follow-up? Oh, you're, not, you're not doing anything with test paper right now, right? Uh, well, no, I'm using it uh, constantly. It's open on the window right now. I'm using it. Well, that's that's always sitting there if we want to come back to that. Yeah, I'm using that very much. I still don't. Um, the one bit of advice as a little follow-up that we had, if you remember on the last episode, I was huh? asking people what 
application they use on their iOS or iPad OS yes, device absolutely. to access. Be- because the, the one app that's been out there forever is TaskMater, and I don't want to, as the youngsters say, drag it, but it's not terrific. Yeah. Did you get any responses about that? Uh, I got a few, but the main one that seemed interesting or the most held the most promise to me was the one where they said, uh, you can just change, because I, if I remember right, I think I mentioned on the show that I could see the task paper files in the files app on iOS mm-hmm. or wherever else, but that- oh, it's like grayed out? Yeah, it's grayed out and I couldn't get to them. And as I'm looking at it right now, there is you know it, there is a task paper folder in my iCloud uh, drive and it, it says, you know, it, it has the files in it. But if you get info on one of those files on your Mac, it will show you that it is, it, it's called a task paper document and it's just a text file with the extension dot task paper instead of Yeah, dot if that said dot txt, you could open it fine. And so what one of the people <laughs> suggested was just change the extension from dot task paper to dot txt and it should oh, be openable in other applications. I haven't tried it. I haven't tried this. Well, but- you know, it's interesting then. If I make a dot, if I make my, so like my, my main document is called today.taskpaper. Uh-huh. If I make that today.txt yeah. and open it in task paper, do I still get the functionality of that task paper? That is a good question. Well, we'll know in a minute. Yes, I want to change it. Yes, I do. I do that. And then I open, I'm clicking, I'm dragging. Whoops, not, no, 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 don't drag it to the other computer. Oh, universal control, you're so thirsty. You're a functional thirst trap. Get, get, oh, I can't get the target right. Oh, drag it, damn it. Oh, no, it wants to chill. Oh, no, no, my petard. Uh, I'll, I'll work on that later. Okay, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah I... I think what's funny is like test paper does not get a butt ton of updates uh, on DL. They just got one. That, it just got one today. That's exactly what I was about to ah. say. So I know you're real. Wow, you're really using it. <laughs> um, Jesse has another app that he's I think focusing on right now, which is also very interesting looking. Is um, it is it uh, something that's I, public beta? I don't know. Does he listen to know. the show? Can I be invited? It's not fair. No one listens to the show, Dan. Okay. I'm literally the only listener. All right, and that's just because I have to do notes. Yeah. Yeah, I love the sound of my voice. I love hearing myself be confused. Boo, 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 boo. Um, okay, uh, so uh, we're still in the pre-flight. This is not the show, uh, except insofar as it is. Uh, test paper, we'll hold that for now. Um, I want to close with the energy project. I can do uh, a Blitz Krieg through uh, my evolving world of text. How do we allow to? We gotta. Do you want to start? Where do you want to start? You want to start with you? Yeah, let's start with me. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I want to. Uh, so I, I had the occasion to set up this blink camera to point I out. Look at, I don't know what this is. I don't just think, type do blink I? blink camera. It's Amazon sells. Whatever you do, don't blink. Sells a. They bought the company. Um, okay. And I, I guess they were just an independent. Oh, company is this going to be like their new, like uh, slightly higher than commodity level camera? Uh, is it an, is it nice? No, it's it's not. It's not especially nice. I've seen these. There's one of these. Don't be creepy. Um, these are they have these outside the boba store my kid goes to. So I think you can buy these in yeah. like a pack, right? Yeah, you can. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. When when Amazon has its Prime Day stuff, they're super cheap. But their regular price is uh, twenty four bucks, twenty five bucks. Where do the does it record video? Yeah, it does video. It does audio. You can talk through it, but but I mean, like, but like, where do the videos go? Is that a cloud thing? You you can pay for that service if you want. I do not. 
Okay. Um, but the typical way that it works without any kind of like subscription, um, it just basically streams it to your, in my case, iOS device. I suppose it could go to something else, but there's so it's an mainly, app. It's, it's not really for like um, storing years of stuff no. like you would. I just finally canceled my Nest I this week. I suppose you could do that. There is a something called the Blink. I'm reading this now. The Blink subscription plan. And then you can archive it and save yeah, it. Yeah, because like Wise does that. Yeah, you can, uh, yeah, you can do that. that. Here's what yeah, it says. But, it says... Yeah. Um, you can subscribe for access to cloud storage and exclusive features, pay just $3 per month per camera, $10 per month for unlimited number of cameras. And then oh. it saves them and it shows basically the point of this camera is to detect uh, activity and mm -hmm. then it will show you the activity that is happening. So somebody, if you have it inside, it'd right. show well, you like, where, where ring started as a doorbell with a camera that you can talk to. This is a camera that you can talk through. Yeah. And it's going to detect right? motion. And so mm -hmm. if your sure. dog decides Packages it wants to probably. walk across the living room and you have a camera in the living room, it will record that and it'll send you a notification say did motion detected in the living room. And then you review the video and it's your dog, you know, walking across the room. So, it's it, I, it's not really meant as a surveillance camera in that it doesn't want right. to That's record. That's a good distinction. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't want to record, or, or in my case, I'm not recording anything. It's I'm, not I a wanna, classic security no, camera. No, it's not. Like in a heist movie. No, it's not like that. Yeah. I, and, and what I wanted to do today, because I knew I was getting this delivery and I knew we were going to be on the show, is and my doorbell's broken, is that I mm. wanted to put the this up full screen on the iPad, put the iPad on the desk, and then I could see the dude walking up when it, and then I can say, Merlin, hang on a second, oh, I gotta sure. go to Like the when you go all in on that uh, Elgato multi-mount system like I have, and boy, is this turned into a monster. Um, you could you could have it like just kind of sitting there and that becomes like your little like observe the world pad. Yeah, and the problem is there's a lot of people, this is a neighborhood where there's a lot of families, there's a lot of people with dogs, there's a lot of people going back and forth. And so if I'd have it detecting motion, it's going to keep going off constantly, sending alerts and everything. I just want to turn it on and look through it. Almost, you know what, like a baby monitor in a way, except in the front yeah. door. And for yeah. some reason, this camera, the Blink camera, all of the Blink cameras, don't stay, they won't continue to stream for more than like 30 seconds. After every 30 seconds, right. they will have a little thing that will come up, continue, question mark. That, you that, have to that's tap a, it. <coughs> there's a similar, <coughs> pardon me. There's a similar frustration. Oh my God. <coughs> my body's in revolt. I might need to lay down. There's similar frustration with a lot of sensor, motion sensors and mm -hmm. stuff like that, mm -hmm. where it's like, well, like as long as something's happening, keep recording, at least record that as an event. Right. Like, but like my motion sensors, I'll see like there's endless numbers of events that are two minutes long. It's like, that's not actually that helpful, but uh, that's such a good distinction though. The difference between like mission impossible, like, you know, it's always those poor incompetent bastards sitting and looking at, you know, all of their Ozymandias screens and like, you know, observing and then you put the loop up and it's, you know, cause George Clooney's good at that. But this is really more of like, so you need a way to also deal with the noise of like a dog or a kid. Right. Well, I mean, for me, I just want to be able to turn this thing on and watch it without having to tap the screen every 30 seconds to keep it going. Oh, I would like yeah, to just sure. turn it on. And you know what? When I glance over, because I've got so many like old iPads that are doing nothing. I know. It would be really well, nice to those, be able to just those, monitor um, that like a, one like of those a cafeteria serial killer tray, in a movie. One of those, cafe <laughs> one of those cafeteria trays sized 
ancient iPad Pros. We we fun, we recently just did the uh, like what do they call it in volleyball rotate, where like I've I've had nicer iPads for a while, and then for a time I've had uh, two iPads, and I gave one of those to my lady friend, and then that that officially moved into retirement. Like, do you remember how big those old iPad Pros are? Yes, they're just. The I bezel. have one right here on the desk. Yeah, which is which is fine for what you're describing. That could be a control panel. Yeah, like you could run Home Plus on that, or you know, uh, not Home Dash, but one of those Home Run type apps. You could basically you could mount that on your wall, and you know, yeah, there's always a use for those. And so for it's you're just not you're not you'd love to be able to like look at this out of the corner of your eye and have it just stay up, but it's not doing that, right? It, I mean, it w- there's a couple little hacks that you can do. Um, Hmm. And apparently, like, you can hit the talk button, and that'll make it stay alive for a few minutes instead of just 30 seconds. That's also going to drain your battery, though. Well, the one I have is plugged in, but yeah, it would uh, it would otherwise. I mean, the thing I'm looking here at uh, under Home Assistant, Home Assistant is that Byzantine open source platform that I use. Oh, boy. I think I like it. I mean, I really like it, but Home Assistant is a little Byzantine, and there's a lot of YAML involved. It looks here like there is an integration on Home Assistant for the Blink. What's nice is like with even like the cruddiest, is it, God, I think I'm, I mean, I'm about to be so racist and I don't mean to be. It's, I'm going to either say the name of my favorite dim sum or a Chinese company. Is it Xiaomi? Is that the name of that company? I don't know. There's that one company that makes tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of electronics. It's a Chinese company that makes really inexpensive kind of commodity motion sensors, cameras, all that kind of stuff. What's interesting, though, is like if you get what in I believe in this community is called an IP camera, like the the, the silliest, stupidest, maybe a camera you had five years ago. Those are actually really pretty straightforward to get onto Home Assistant. Home Assistant runs, depending on how you run it, you can run it as a package, you can run it as a Docker. That runs on your Synology. And that, you can actually, there's a thing called, I think it's called Surveillance Station, where you can have an array of cameras and basically make a little, you know, view panel for yourself. I don't know if Blink will do that, if the Blink family will do that, but that's one way to give you a lot of control uh, if you're open to the idea of futzing around a little bit, you shouldn't have to hit the talk button to have it stay live, though, I don't think. Maybe that's not what it's for, but that seems weird. Yeah, I don't know why it's like that. So anyway, if someone can recommend a... And this is the other thing. You've been making this move to away from the Amazon devices. Away from Amazon into Google Hub stuff. Into the yeah. Google Hub. So have I. Mm-hmm. So I would rather have like a Google Hub focused device, I think, at this <clears throat> stage of my life. Anyway. And well, in that case, a Nest camera might be right for you. Maybe it would be. Maybe it would be. The, They're the more expensive. Nice They're not 24, yeah. 25 bucks. Well, you know, it's in this instance, like if you need to cover your like outsider weirdo compound, you know, with all kinds of little cheapy cameras that you can see in your Azamandius room. Uh-huh. Um, that's, that's what I want. That, huh? That's what I want. That's what I'm working on building. Cool? Yeah. I mean, if we're going to get a pet. Let's do just it. Just saying. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I know. Yes. Oh, I checked my cameras 30 minutes ago. Um, <laughs> but um, 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 one neat thing on, if memory serves, the Ring cameras, now owned by Amazon also, uh, we took down our Ring doorbell. It was just, it was too weird. Like the whole thing with the cops getting access to your video and stuff like that was just too weird. And it, it felt like it was as with, and like I said, with the, uh, 
Amazon family of two products, I just started to realize that the value, the functionality, the convenience that I got out of those things was increasingly being way offset by the like the creepiness, the hostility, the fact that my Amazon shows had just turned into jumbotron a jumbotron for your kitchen mm-hmm. it's like no i don't want to know the headlines i shouldn't have to feel like i need to like tend this thing it's like if i wanted a a, a, a debian advertising sync like i could do that but i don't want that and google is way better about that stuff but one neat thing about the ring camera if memory serves is i feel like it has a thing where it does the the, the, the thing of saying okay are you facing the street are you facing a light Right, all that kind of stuff. Remember that red light across mm-hmm. the street? You remember that? Yeah, I sure do. Remember the person with the with the with the rifle doing drills? Remember that? Of course I do. Yeah, you remember the trailer that was parked on the street? Yeah, of course. Yeah, concerns. Um, but what was neat was I'm pretty sure, at least on the blink, you get this neat interface with sort of a virtual. So you're in the app on iOS. You say, okay, here's my let's call it your backdoor camera. Ooh. Jeez, oh, sounds like a my gosh. Where are we going with the show? Oh, I don't know, man. Hello. Ooh, hello. You know, if you're over 50. <laughs> Hi, I'm Colaguard. Mind if I interrupt your meal? <laughs> ah, I'm a box pooping me. Okay. Can I check, please? Um, you, so you're setting up your front door camera. Well, you're setting up a camera, garage camera. And one neat thing is it gives you sort of a virtual, like a, like a beam. And you say, okay, imagine that your, what your camera sees is a, is a beam. Like, what counts as what we see here? Like, in our case, we very much didn't want it pointing or recording, like, in an area that I would consider a neighbor's more, you know, private area or, you know, non-public area. And we've never talked about it, but I would want to be able to assure them that I have no interest in seeing inside their house or their garage or whatever. So there's the one part of the beam thing where you can direct it to say, like, these are the areas that we care about. And I believe it also has a, what I'm going to say is like a depth beam where you're like, okay, here's this little blue, you know, um, you know, how do you describe a funnel? Like, here's the camera and it goes out this far. How far away do you want me to be watching? is kind of, kind of a cool thing. So you could say, like, no, by all means, don't... I see that if I have a compound, and let's say I've got, like, a, a sniper nest where I want to be able to pick off, you know, the revenuers, like, that's great to, like, shoot across this entire field, but I don't want that. I don't want to know if something happens 40 feet away. I want to know if something happens 5 feet away. So... If you're pot committed to this blink, then I would just look at all your options for doing that. If you're not pot committed to the blink, I would look at an IP, a powerful IP camera. To be honest, the Arlo cameras are terrific. They're really, really good. They work with HomeKit. Um, Like, for example, I love the Logitech Circle View, but the Logitech Circle View literally only works with HomeKit. As in, there is no app. There's nothing to do except deal with it in HomeKit. Which is fine if you love HomeKit. Who loves HomeKit? Um, but I would look at something. An Arlo, the only, my only problem with the Arlo camera is that the battery, with even a moderate amount of activity that it's, even if it's not recording, if it's getting a lot of activity, mm-hmm. that battery, I've had batteries like go from 100 to zero in like two days, two nights. But Arlo cameras are really powerful, and I think there's ways to wire them. Is this going to be a battery-operated one for you? I mean, the one that I have now 
is like an inside one. I would like to oh, get it's a, inside, but pointed outside. Yeah, but I don't. That's <gasps> only because it was twenty five dollars, and I probably paid fifteen dollars for a Prime Day thing and okay. just hit, clicked purchase. But the, it, now, well, I'm actually researching it now, and I anticipate that the one I would get would be a battery powered one. But you know what? Like that's okay if if I need to right. watch this thing because I'm exp- I mean, I don't need to look out there that often. But in the times when I would, I just want the oh, damn thing you to really be on. really want to stay up. Well, and the other example is, you know, for me, and I, again, this is a whole other project, is, uh, sidebar, as an anxious person, mm-hmm. as covered in my document, mm-hmm. my wisdom project, anxious people tend to want more information in order to feel that they're safe. Right. Anxious people, you know what I mean? It's like, I can't stand not knowing things, but if you're a an anxious person who interrogates what that means as a role in your life, you discover that you never can have all the information. And if you have just enough information, then you realize how much information you don't have. And guess what? You just bought yourself a new set of anxieties. So like our canary camera captured when our smoke alarm went off for two nights at the house. And I guess it's good that I knew that. But the truth is, I felt so bad for our stupid cat, and I was so frustrated. We didn't have anybody to contact to come in and turn off the smoke alarm, and I, I just felt like, oh my God, the next two days, there's nothing I could do about it, right? It was a nuisance. If I hadn't known about it, I wouldn't have worried about it. And there would, I, nothing I would have done, it. but knowing I knew enough to knew, know what I can't do, mm-hmm. and that made me feel... Uh, impotent. Like I can't do anything about this. It's really frustrating. I'm going to tell you what I got. This is not the advice you asked for, but I, I cannot give this my unqualified okie dokie because your mileage may vary. Um, A-R-L-O, arlo.com. I got, well, the one I, this is such a cool camera. Okay. So I got this, uh, I think it's the, it's the ultra 4k. Now this is a lot more than you probably want to spend. The benefit of the Arlo camera is that First of all, it's, it's mountable in all of these different ways. It comes with a magnetic mount. So you can basically screw this mount into a wall, or you can just set it down on your windowsill. And using magnets, you can direct that camera wherever you want. That's neat. You can also get a mount for it that screws in through a standard quarter inch, whatever that typical mounting screw is. Mm-hmm. And the cameras are amazing. So much great functionality. They work great in the dark. Endless options. So you can say stuff like do like turn a light on on the camera when it runs. Yeah. Or don't turn a light on, don't show an LED, and use that night vision mode. You can capture it all of the cloud. It's got a really nice app. Um, my general record and I'm mean, wise cameras are okay, yeah, mostly, and they work with HomeKit and Synology. I would look into maybe considering an Arlo. Okay. And if it's going to be inside and you have a way to plug it in, you will not be plagued by my biggest frustration, which is the the battery longevity. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's weird, you know, but like, it sounds like we're both in slightly different ways from slightly different angles. I, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like, I do find myself increasingly, it's not like the fear of five or 10 years ago about, oh, they're all going to gobble my data. It's like, well, there are parts, there are ways in which I feel like that's kind of a, I mean, the CIA is sweeping up people's data, we just found out. Like, again, yeah. it's, there's, there's all this stuff happening where it's like, I'm not saying to be a, an idiot about this. There's a reason I don't have an Instagram or Facebook account, full stop. But 
I do feel like if you can find the benefit, classic example is Gmail. Like, why is it that your pals, Merlin Mann and John Syracuse, still use Gmail on the web as their main email app? Oh my God, aren't they stealing all your data? Well, you know, I run stuff that doesn't show ads and things like that. And yeah, maybe they're going to steal my data. I don't know. But I get so much value out of Gmail over literally any other way of doing that, that for now, I see value in that. The corollary, I no longer see value in what I'm getting out of the Amazon family of products. And so, I mean, I'm not mad about it per se, but I'm not, I mean, it's not, that's not a, like a sort of a, a growth area for me. Like, for example, being a COVID skeptic, I was talking to my wife about this last night, being a COVID skeptic, at least right now for people like me is frustrating because not skeptic, but you know, a COVID like conservative COVID person, like if your career is built on being scared about COVID, like this has got to feel like a slightly threatening time as things open up more. Like, like the same on the wire, you know, you're beholden to whatever system you're part of. I just feel like there's, everybody's trying to give you the scroogey. I don't know if they're always trying to steal your data or do stuff with your stuff, but like, there's an angle. People, any ad you see on TV or the web is for something where people feel like they're going to get more value out of it than you will if you use it. Like, especially if it's free or if it's cheap and like, as much as HomeKit and the Home app are really driving me up a wall right now, I do feel a little bit more safety and security knowing that with the massive cloud package I've got with Apple, you know, if I want to record video, I get granularity. I could say like when, when, when anybody's home, don't stream or record. When nobody's home, stream and record. But you get different people with different privileges. And it's not Unix, but it is pretty powerful. And if I want to see what happened... I can have control over that. Um, so, you know, I guess this is not advice to you as much as an observation to our audience, which is like, boy, now more than ever, it really pays to identify the problem you're trying to solve rather than purchasing the thing you heard about. That someone said was, to, was good. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and the truth is it may be good or maybe it's good for them or maybe it's good given these circumstances, but, you know, everybody's an edge case in life. There's nobody in life who's not an edge case, either in terms of what something can or cannot do. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm a human corner case. There's all kinds of ways where I'm like, Ooh, I don't know about that. Or like I could put all my effort into this thing and it ends up just being, you know, more layers of crap and, and frustration. I haven't helped you at all, but check out all the cameras. They're good. I'm going to tell you about mail gun. Brrr. Where's your, Mailgun. Where's the bell? Oh, there's the bell. Okay, Mailgun. Mailgun is how modern companies work with email. The platform's ease of use, world-class support, and powerful APIs empower smart development teams to reach real customers at scale with a data-driven approach. That's the kind of approach you want, Merlin, so that organizations can grow faster. So here's I mean, some well, the, if you're not going to have a data-driven, what, what kind of, what kind of approach, approach do you even gonna, have? Like palm frond-driven approach? Like, what are you going to do? That's if you're going to be driven, listen, if you're going to have an approach and be driven... Can I just suggest at least consider data? I mean, it's Mailgun. It's Mailgun. They're here for what you. Is it, what even does it do? Okay, man? well, you, it lets you send and track your transactional and marketing messages effortlessly. Transactional messages are the kind of like, you've signed up for a new account or your, your credit card is going to expire or things like that that a, someone who has an application would need to tell their customers about. You can also use it to send marketing messages. You can prevent fake signups. You can remove invalid email addresses from your list. I mean, everything. 
And they also have email experts that you can partner with. They'll help you improve your email deliverability. That drives higher conversion rates. And they're helping hundreds of thousands of companies and leading brands around the world can provide what they call connected experiences and drive smarter results. They work with tons and tons of companies and they have a really, really great API. That's why they're one of the, probably the biggest, this is my opinion, uh, for hmm. you know providing really, really great services for this with a really awesome API. They've got really, and that's the thing, if you're a developer, you want a good API and they've got a real, I've worked with it many, many times. It's a great API. And they control the entire email lifecycle from pre-deployment through delivery of over 240 billion emails a year for companies like DHL, Wikipedia, Toast, Lyft, Microsoft, so many more. And they have this really cool feature. It's one of the best ones, especially for people who are sending out like informational marketing, that kind of email, uh, newsletters, things like that. They have something called send time optimization. It finds the ideal send time for every individual on your list at the time they're most likely to engage with your email and it won't, so it doesn't bother them. It's really nice. It's never been easier to build connected experiences. You can start sending with Mailgun today, but all you have to do and all they want you to do is just visit mailgun.com to learn more. M-A-I-L-G-U-N, Mailgun. So go check them out. And thanks very much to Mailgun for making this show possible. Thanks, Mailgun. Buck, buck. Um, I'm putting into notes. This is, yeah, this is definitely more firepower than you want or need. But, I mean, so, like, remember we were saying a minute ago, like, figure out what you want to do instead of just the one your friend told you to get. I'm now going to do the opposite of that in a really annoying way, mm. which is going to, if you just, if you just, if you have a little bit of dough or a middle bit of dough mm. and you're okay with, like, getting the one Merlin got... I'm going to put this in notes. This is the Arlo <clears throat> Arlo Pro 3 Spotlight Camera, two-camera security system, wireless, 2K video and HDR, color night vision, two-way audio, 160-degree view, wire-free, works with Alexa White, VMS 2420P. I'm putting that into show notes. Dan, where would people find show notes for episode, oh, you'd think I'd be prepared, 566 six of your Back to Work program? Uh, thanks to you. All they have to do mm -hmm. is go to backtowork.limo so slash 566. So well, you're generous in the sharing of the backtowork.limo domain. It's it's perfect. Dot limo. Quick bookmarklet. I'm clicking your quick bookmarklet. Oh, man. I wish people, you know, you should license your CMS. It's nuts. I, oh, God. I'm not going to say anything, but your CMS is good and others are not. Um, Arlo. <laughs> Arlo. Okay, here, I got to, in the interest of keeping this a little more trim, mm. here's what I recommend. Mm -hmm. I want to just babble a little bit about some stuff I'm excited about with text. I'll keep it fairly brisk. And then, I, and then we'll talk about something else you like. And then I would like to at least introduce this weird energy project topic just because it helps me have clarity. Would that work for you? Yeah, I think that'd be great. As previously um, stipulated, long story short, because of this, um, I don't know, long, it doesn't matter, a very long story, only slightly shorter, is that I've had a need to learn a little bit about Git and GitHub because of this writing project. And that has led me um, through various weeks of discussing this with people, with you, especially with Syracuse, with Alex, has led me to messing around with this, again, this combination of Visual Studio Code and uh, GitHub via the Mac GitHub desktop app. And just to catch you up real quick, uh, boy, is this ever a lot of fun. Um, 
this uh, this this GitHub desktop app. It's just a standard off-the-shelf desktop app. Uh, it's it's great. It's a delight to work with. I'm also playing with Git Finder. Git Finder is cool. Um, Visual Studio Code has built-in Git integration that's pretty straightforward. No muss, no fuss. But what I want to talk about really just quick, fairly quickly this week is just some updates on cool stuff in VS Code and an emergent model for thinking about what apps do what with which text. Visual Studio Code. Now, now, if you had asked me at pretty much any point that wasn't the last two months, you, hey, 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 Big Shot, do you imagine yourself, uh, uh, you know, being up to your taint in Microsoft stuff, <laughs> stuff and being excited about it? I'd say, what are you talking about? But the truth is, like GitHub, which I think is was purchased by Microsoft, uh, GitHub's really good. It's crazy. My account is so cheap. And I'm just so blown away by what you can do with repos and with gists and all of those different things. It's it's so neat. I, obviously, I'm not. This is not new for people who are developers, or, you know, or developers on teams. But you know, even with just me or with Alex and I, there's just so much powerful stuff with GitHub. But it's like I, this ineffable quality of like using Visual Studio Code with GitHub uh, has been really exciting for me. Now. You're familiar with Visual Studio Code. Yeah, I mean, yes. use, it, use it 10 hours a day some days. So, okay. So, like, back in the day, quick history lesson, when that cranky uh, DHH first did the Rails thing, and we, if, you're, if you're a man of a certain age or a, a dork of a certain age, you remember when DHH did a demonstration video introducing, to most of us, introducing Rails. And... He was showing you how you take Ruby. What do you what you call Rails a framework? Ruby's a language and yeah, Rails Rails, a Rails is a web application framework. Ruby is the language okay. which you use to build Rails stuff. But fair to say that you know coming sort of not on the tail of Web 2.0, but mm, tail ish of Web 2.0. Rails was was and remains a game changer. Yes, I mean it's not as popular as it was, but yeah, I mean it it was completely revolutionary get some good stuff happening i still do everything in rails i still because i like ruby because i like ruby so much i like ruby that's the thing for me i it it's the frame a framework is a framework and there's always pluses and minuses and you know unless it's php unless but you know the 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 big thing about rails was not just that it was revolutionary and what it let you do very quickly and with such a beautiful elegant language like ruby behind it so intuitive but for what it does it's very intuitive it is but what rails also lets you do in addition to that is is stand up an application that's gonna basically an mvc application in a very very short period of time and then when you want the more advanced features, they're all there. You just have to sort of unpack them and use them. But, you know, there were a lot of scaling issues in the beginning. That's a long, long, long ago oh, solved yeah. problem. But, you know, I think... Well, it seemed like a toy a little bit at first, right? I guess for some people, yeah. But uh, now things like React are even more popular where you're basically doing most of the stuff on the client end and you're just basically mm. sending data over JSON back and forth to a server. And that server might be written in Rails, it might be in Python, it might be in Node, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just sending things back and forth and doing all the work and the lifting in in something like React. And that has kind of that has kind of become the more modern way of doing it. it 
for better or for worse, but there's still plenty of straight Rails apps out there and other frameworks. But yes, yeah, it is. And what I but what I like about Rails, I have to say, is I like coding in Ruby. I've been using Ruby way longer than I've been doing Rails because it's been around forever. I met Matt's the the amazing man he's from Japan who built Ruby. Ruby is a joy to use. It's a joy to write as a language. I, I have never in my life found something that I like better, that feels more natural, that that I write code the way I think in Ruby. And it's so nice. It's just refreshing. I look forward to writing code in it. And before Ruby, I never felt like that. Java mm-hmm. is certainly an elegant language, but it, there's so much that you have to do just to do the most basic things in Java that unless you're doing some really big enterprise level project, it's just you're spending so much time every time. You know, I'm going to get emails. I don't care. Ruby's mm-hmm. Ruby's great. But Python is now more popular than Ruby. I don't like Python as much as Ruby. I've, I'm, I'm, I could write everything in Python today if I felt like it. It's fine. I would have to look up things in the API once in a while. But I just like Ruby better. Mm-hmm. I'm hiring. I've by the managed- way, I'm hiring Ruby developers. I, I meant to oh, say we'll that. Yeah, put a link, yeah, put so a link in. Um, I, I've managed to deeply derail full this. Full time. All I wanted to, all, my bad. All I wanted to say was that I do have a recollection, even though I did not understand what he was talking about, David. Hanemeyer Henson. Henson. When he well, the first thing I remember ever seeing about Rails was this demo that he did that was basically just a which might call a screencast of him doing stuff in Rails and just showing you like you do this, you type this, boom, boom. I don't think that was actually his word. Boom, boom. You do all these things. Okay, but it was a MacGuffin for me because I was never going to learn how to do anything subs- substantial. I was never going to learn how to use this. But I'll tell you what did blow me away: the classic internet nerd thing somebody posts something and you go what app is that this happens to me fairly regularly where people go like "Ooh, what is that and i'll go oh that's marked too with this style sheet or oh what's that font that you're using in your preview like right that always happens he came out and 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 he had this app that was running and you know on the on the one hand it did kind of just look like a pretty straightforward um you know text editor but that was the first time I ever saw TextMate. So, like, I started using BB Edit in 1996 or seven, something around. Then I had BB, God, what was it called? BB Edit Lite or BB Edit before Text Wrangler? But there was like the anyway. I started using BB Edit was my one for things like that. And then for years, I used like you know stuff like Go Live Cyber Studio along with BB Edit. Oh my God, round trip code! You can change it in either one. Mm-hmm. Ah. But when he showed TextMate, it was like, wait, what are you doing? What, what, wait, wait, what, what, what are you doing? It was like magic tricks inside of magic tricks. Just a way of saying that the first time I saw TextMate, I was deeply in love. And it was in beta for 116 years. But BB Edit had all of the, had this sort of, what would you call it, extension or plug-in architecture. You could have snippets. You could have macros. You could have syntaxes. You could have all of these things. And like, I can't say, I got so into TextMate and customizing it to do the stuff that I wanted it to do, right? It was it was really exciting. And unlike a lot of those rabbit hole projects, it actually became a big part of what I do. Like make this, like I would have, I would have avoid macros where I could. I would tend to prefer snippets. And what's a snippet? A snippet is, think about Text Expander. Like in Text Expander, where you get fill-in forms, think about that, but it's like integrated into the text editor. Oh, that's cool. So if I want to make, when, when I make, 
boy, this is really from another generation. Mm. I want to post this YouTube video to my Tumblr, but I don't like the way YouTube does that. So I have preferences for all these ways that I want the YouTube embed code to work. I want it to be this width. I want it to not have the cookie. I want it to do all the things. And it was really relatively straightforward to make these per language bundle syntaxes um, snippets that could just, I mean, get my back on this text. I mean, certainly it's not the first thing to ever do this, but this is a Mac app, yeah. a Mac app with a GUI. I mean, unlike the later Sublime text or, you know, <laughs> unlike about half of VS Code, it had a GUI. Like it had a way where you could go like make all these things and organize them. And like it was really incredibly straightforward for how powerful it was. Why am I telling you this 16-minute anecdote? Because TextMate for Mac starting in whatever, the mid-2000s, whenever that was, like was really a light went off in my head about... I'd bit, I had appreciated the power of text and what you can do with it, but it was TextMate that showed me how, yes, you'll do some fiddling, but once, but there's such a, there's a community, right? This is not just an app. It's a, really almost a platform. There's so much stuff that you can do inside of this. And Dan, that's the way I'm feeling again, very similarly with VS Code, which is a real dorky thing to say, except holy crap. VS Code, like there's such a community, what they call the marketplace, which is a terrible name, but there's all these amazing extensions to do like anything you could ever want to do. And it's just, and like TextMate, yes, I'm fiddling, but it's already becoming so powerful in terms of just even with dumb writing stuff that I do that I, I what I want to do is just again say, hey, VS Code, very good. But I also want to just talk about a few extensions that I think Yeah, I would are, love to hear which ones you're using. Yeah, just real real quick. Well, I mean, I've got... So VS, one thing that's neat, as I understand it anyway, is that this is maybe not a Java level of cross-platform, but VS Code, you can get it anywhere. I've got VS Code on my Synology. Like when I edit text, <laughs> when I edit my YAMLs, literally in the interface for Home Assistant. Yeah. So, so like my Synology is running Home Assistant. My Home Assistant works with VS Code. And so like it, it doesn't sync and stuff, but... You get the power of this entire this community of these like hundreds of extensions and syntaxes, and it's it's would you call it an IDE? I guess it's kind of an IDE. I mean, I mean it's got that functionality I, for some things. I wouldn't, but you you but know, it's more yeah, than just a could, text editor. You, it's more than just a text editor for sure. For sure, it is, and I think you probably could get away with calling it um, an IDE. But you can like get all these. Extensions, which you could just think of as plugins, but like, well, let's look at it this way. And I'm trying to sell this to folks who think this might not be for them. Why is he talking about this? Well, you know, for most of us, uh, you can get, if you need to edit a text file for whatever reason, you can just open it up in text edit. Just make sure that it's, you know, not rich text. It's just plain text. Um, that's totally fine. Like if you just need to go in and change something in a P list, like you can get away with that. Right. But... But think about all there's all of the different kind of scripting and programming languages. Look, just let's just talk about Markdown. What? Why would you need all of that for Markdown? Well, I technically I don't. But given that the writing that I'm doing for this project is in Markdown and I want it to be on GitHub, this is a natural fit for me. I like I want this project to unfold over months in public. And I think that's kind of part of the fun. 
And so it's a pretty natural fit if it's going to get onto GitHub. Like, and, and you know, if I before I put this somewhere where people could see it, it was all in one file in NVALT. And the uh, you certainly can't beat that for simplicity and portability. Mm-hmm. But then once I started going in, there's just so much great stuff. So let me talk about a couple today. Here's a really boring one that is nonetheless very cool. Um, so when I say lint, does I mean lint can mean well, a certain thing, but in lots of different places. Lint, typically, you think of lint as being for, like, I would think of it as for CSS or HTML, yes? I mean, it, that's probably the most tell popular people what way. Is. Well, what is lint? Lint, or like what I what people will call it, a linter, it's a it's a usually a tool that analyzes your code and it will find errors, bugs, but also mostly what people are using it for is stylistic decisions. If you've got a house style. Right. For example, like, I mean... It's really cool, like, for example, when we were using HomeSite to make, uh, <laughs> hey, that's not funny. No. It was cool. No. When we were using HomeSite to make, we had a house style at my dot-com job that was a little bit comical on the face of it, but was kind of addictive. So, like, you know, you can open up an HTML file, and back in the day when we would sweat every inch of white space even, you know, you'd squeeze every pixel of, you know, every pixel of K out of a GIF that you could, but also you would like want to be efficient with the code. And so like, it wasn't unusual if you go would view source back in the day for typical civilians like me, it would have generally something like structure, but in the pre Zeldman area era, who cared if it looked okay in your browser, it was fine. But check this out whenever we did and forgive me, I'm going to get these terms all wrong. So say you've got like an HTML, um, and th- but again, this is going to go for everything inside of Cold Fusion. Mm-hmm. So like you've got a, you've got an anchor, right? And href equals alt equals title equals. So you've got an img. Um, you know what I mean? Like width equals height equals alt equals et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How style where I was was like everybody on their individual PC. Each one of those was on a new line and indented, and it made it so readable. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so even like Ahref, like today that seems like overkill to me. Like if I'm just, you know, pooping something out to put on the Squarespace, uh, all respect, like I just, it's a blob, it's fine. Right. I, I, and again, this is all very mature for me, but Ahref equals, I use, I reuse the same template over and over for Roderick on the line, for example. Mm -hmm. But, but like, it's actually, do you know what I'm talking about? Like you got, you, so you say, uh, you got an opening bracket, A, like new line indent, mm-hmm. href equals. So your, what would you call it? Like keys and values or your attributes? Mm-hmm. Each one is incredibly easy to grok. So if you need to find uh, color colon in your CSS or whatever, or your background or your, you know, layer or visibility, any of that stuff, it's it's so visible and you can see, okay, there's pound, there's pound sign zero, zero, zero. There's pound FFF. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But but when you deploy it to the, the big system and it becomes the code, uh, you run lint to like squeeze all of that down to as small as it can. That didn't change the source. I'm probably using these words all wrong and I apologize. But there's something kind of neat about that. And you just identified why it's something like lint or I guess prettify, but like especially lint. Why is this useful? Because yeah, first of all, hey, uh, big red flag. What was in Cold Fusion? There was like errors, warnings, what are the three things? Errors, warnings, and like cautions or whatever. Like there was like, okay, if you do this, it will break. There's a second level of like, okay, uh, you could do this, but like, hey, be aware that 
you know, um, this can cause trouble because you're also doing this over there. And then finally it would be like, okay, you're just being a bad programmer here. You could do this much more efficiently. Like you could run this on your CSS mm-hmm. and I mean, CSS has got to be up there in terms of like, there's a million ways that you can do this and there's a million ways that you can format it. Mm-hmm. And there's probably half a million ways you can refactor it. There's so many ways you can get more efficient. And if you are sweating the difference between FFF and FFFFFF, right? Yes, big difference. I mean, it used to be a big deal, mm-hmm. but what's neat is, yes, first of all, tell me if anything in here is flatly broken according to E, this is important, according to the spec or the, you know, the standard, or according to my preferences, my, right? Like in Markdown, I can't say these are identical, but if you're doing a Markdown unordered list, an asterisk or a dash will be fine. You can actually mix them up. Mm-hmm. In some languages, like the, the go beyond totally straightforward Markdown, you could totally mix those up. You could use a plus. You could use a dash. You could, you, could, you know, doesn't matter. Like in Markdown, uh, if you're doing an, an OL, like, this is one period. This is one period. This is one period. Because it's when it's rendered as HTML or whatever that it changes that to one, two, three, four. You don't need to worry about that. But wouldn't it be cool if all that was taken care of for you? Mm-hmm. If all the things in, like, what you care about in a Markdown document, it kept you from screwing yourself up. So Markdown Lint. Why would you need Lint for Markdown? You don't. But I love it so much. And because Markdown Lint for VS Code has allowed me to go in and say, and yes, I'm very old and I watch World War II documentaries while I change my Markdown Lint settings, I am broken inside. <laughs> but I think it's really neat. Like uh, Alex has kind of gotten me from asterisks to dashes. Mm-hmm. I'm still not, I don't like it aesthetically, but it makes some more logical sense in some ways. I but, didn't know anyone was still using the asterisks. Uh, asterisk versus dashes? Yeah. Especially because really? task paper forces you to use the. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, 100%. But just visually... <laughs> and you're all visually, in on task paper. You're the task I know, paper I know, man. That's probably what's part of it. But like, part of the problem was, if I'm being honest, is that Alex and I, when we work on show notes together, uh, they were doing it with dashes. I was doing it with asterisks. And you, it just, you it, need a linter. Well, it just made me... It worked, but like, I was like, it just bugged me. Mm. Um, but guess what? Markdown lint, you've got a mostly gooey setting it's all mostly gooey but then there's also a json where you can go in and change a lot more stuff mm-hmm. and boy is that ever powerful but like from now on hey any document i open by me or anyone else let's just remember that i prefer that this be dashes instead of asterisks now whatever who cares i made the move from like it used to be you could just defecate a whole bunch of asterisks to make an hr that's not technically correct in some places. And you can actually, if you're doing text expander and stuff, you could really screw yourself up. Mm. Where if you like, you know, type type this, it's going to make that. And so I've gone from, you know, big poop pile of asterisks to make an HR to the what it's supposed to be, which is four dashes. Four dashes is the more or less kind of official way to do an HR. And I can say that. I could say like, here's my standards for this. Um, but then there's all kinds of stuff I don't know. Like according to, this could be discount. This could be multi-markdown. Whatever it is that you're using, the more sexy, wow, was that ever not the right word, to me sexy. Because <laughs> we learned around episode three that this is the least interesting topic on the show <laughs> right. to everyone except for me. Um, but for example, oh, you know, like for example, okay, like it used to be back in the day, people were about 50-50 on pound signs versus set text, like equals and dashes to do H's. 
Like you remember, like yeah. a lot of people were still doing. I mean, I think like Dean Allen was still doing set text for his textile stuff. But like, for example, if you want to do an H1, this is stuff I knew or didn't know or forgot. Like officially in the markdown I'm using, the very first, excluding metadata in multi-markdown, the first line in a document is supposed to begin with an octothorpe, a space, and a string. I didn't know that, because I mean, I'm just adding returns everywhere. But you, but to be correct, your first line is supposed to be the title. It's the H1. Mm-hmm. Like it's a single, it's a pound sign, a space, et cetera. Markdown lint will make a little squiggle, sort of like when you misspell a word. It'll make a little squiggle. And when you mouse over, it says, hey, bud, just so you know, the first line of this is supposed to be that. Do you care about that? I'll be like, oh, yeah, sure. Like, okay, you've got three spaces after this period. Does that matter to the Gruber version? Not at all. Does that matter to other versions? No, not at all. But to make this grokkable and deal with a bull, wouldn't it be nice if you always did this the same way? Why would you care? Let me introduce you to something called find and replace. If you want to be able to effectively grab set awk, find and replace any of that stuff, wouldn't it be better if you had a standard where you knew to a level of confidence that even your goddamn markdown files were properly put together? And Markdown Lint does that. You mouse over and it'll say to you, hey, buddy, like, just so you know, you know, you're not supposed to have multiple returns between these things. Like, do you care? And sometimes I'll be, no, I don't care. And other times, and, and, and okay, well, now again, of course, VS Code has got an everything button, Command-Shift-P, right? Sort of like Command-K and Descript, you know, what do you call that? An everything button, a uh, universal Command-Palette, I've heard it called. Yeah, Command-Palette. Mm. But it's, I love apps that let you pull up, have a key command that then gives you access to autofill every available command for what you're doing right now. That I would consider a very IDE-like thing. And the one that always pops to the top of the list for me is when I'm typing, it's something like uh, correct every available correction error with markdown lint. And because I set the standard in the JSON and in the settings, I get these beautifully formatted documents now. And all I have to do when I'm done pooping out all my words and doing all my things and, you know, do I want two, do I want two spaces, four spaces? Do I want a tab? Do I want whatever that is? You know, and this is why it's a funny joke. Even years into this tabs versus spaces thing, that's why it's such a funny bit on Silicon Valley is like, and I think they even say it on the show, the tabs versus spaces argument is mostly ridiculous at this point because whatever you want is fine. You just set up your lint or your prettifier or whatever to meet the standard. I know this all seems really silly, but that's weirdly powerful. That way, all I have to do is think about making the clackety noise, and then I hit a button that makes everything copacetic. Um, and that also then ensures, like, whatever I want to do in the future, I mean, this allows massive changes. Dan, when you're getting to any kind of a scale above a handful of files you can see on one screen, consistency matters. Yes. Fair? Yes. How you name things, how you structure things, what folders things go in, um, all really matters. Um, I just want to make, make a case for that. If you are the other person in America who likes Markdown, uh, this goes <laughs> a cool place to do it. Now, but let's, let's go back first principles, Clarice. What do we know? Well, it's text. It's just a text file. So if I want to open that in Ulysses, NVAlt, um, God, I'm spacing on every text editor, but BB Edit, whatever it is, I can open all of those in any place and it'll be fine. It's just that before I commit and push, hmm, um, I do have the option then of saying, like, take every 
everything in this project, every file, you know, not just what I have open, but like, so I go to GitHub Desktop. Here's a use case. I'm doing my dumb writing project. I do my dumb writing. I write, I write, I write, do whatever. Uh, then I open it in VS Code. I look at it and it says, oh, here's a bunch of stuff. Do you want to fix this? I go, yes, please. And then I go to GitHub Desktop. I hit a button. It pushes. It all goes up. And I never have to worry if, you know, if my balls are in the photo. Like I've fixed all of the stuff to be where I'd want. That's just for Markdown, mm -hmm. where it doesn't matter right. hardly at all. Yeah. Or like Fletcher, for example, if you open up any of Fletcher's stuff, Fletcher, for, for whatever reason, and multi, he must have a reason for this, multi-Markdown, which is done by Fletcher Penny, a uh, very powerful you know, uh, offshoot of, of Markdown, allows footnotes, allows tables. How about this? You make a table in multi-Markdown, it can automatically format it for you. And like make it pretty mm -hmm. so that you can like actually look at it and still instead of seeing all those broken lines at 64 characters or whatever, it'll fix that for you. It'll make it nice. Um, but like Fletcher, for example, um, I don't know if this ever went anywhere. It was really weird. Fletcher liked the idea of when you do an H, you do like a pound sign, space, string, space, another pound sign. Do you remember that? Where he would have like if you're at an H2, mm -hmm. you'd have two octothorps at the beginning and two octothorps at the end. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can do that if you want. It's kind of weird. It seems unnecessary. I don't know why he did that, but, you know, see also Chesterton Spence. That's just for Markdown, right? I just think that's really cool. My other breakout star, so closing that thread, have you anything to say at this point? No, continue. I would like for you to continue. This is the one I should have talked most about because I cannot believe this exists. So GitHub, I'm going to again mangle this because I'm new to this. I'm, this is like ABBA singing Waterloo in 1974. I'm basically just speaking phonetically. I don't actually know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but um, but, but uh, in VS Code... Okay, so, so GitHub has a concept of something called gists. And a gist is generally... So you've got uh, repositories, or as you like to say, repos. And that's like, a, you know, here's a project, here's like code, blah, blah, blah. A gist is usually just... I think of a gist as being something where you're like, oh, I'm having problems with this file can you tell me what I'm doing wrong here? Let me post this as a gist. How would you, what do you, how do you think of a gist? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. It's when you want to share something with someone, it could be text. It could be, I mean, it's all text, but it could be code. It could be something that you've written yeah, in to solve someone's meant, problem or it could every be a gist question is technically also have. a repo. You could do a lot with it, but generally speaking, so I don't want you to say a, things that every gist is a repo because that's just going to confuse people. It's, it's a It's a little shareable. It's a little shareable it's worth, snippet of, of the code. difference is that a, a gist is a place. And I'm again, as ever, I'm vice president of doing it wrong title i'm um, always doing it wrong but like all i wanted was a way to like share a funny thing or do a thing like you made a funny remark on the cursor resting area gist that i put up um but like a gist just think of a gist as like it see the thing is the thing is carl van hoot is going to hear this and go oh so actually real world that you could have nested several gistons okay sorry 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 think of it as just like but a gist is how i was doing this writing project where i would just select all copy paste update. And it was Syracuse that said, you might want to do this as a repo for X, Y, and Z reasons. Have you, uh, Dan Benjamin, seen GistPad? Oh, yeah, I have seen that. Oh, my God. I'll put that into the, um, into the, uh, the show notes for you. GistPad. Okay, now this, at first, you might look at this and go, hmm, okay, so this is from the marketplace, mm -hmm. the marketplace of ideas on um, VS Code. 
And it's just past like, wow, why, why do so many people install this? Why would you, what, what, what do you need to do with gists in here? That's so strange. Let me just open this up. Okay, so on the fa- I got this because, wow, lots of people downloaded this. I wonder what this does. I have gist. What would this do? Mm-hmm. Once it's installed, you get a new little area in your left rail and you click on it. It's like, oh my gosh, check that out. Look at that. Oh my God. All the gists, secret and public, that I have posted to GitHub are here. That's kind of cool. Huh. Oh, wait a minute. I can click on that. I can edit that gist inside VS Code and it'll update automatically. Wow, that's cool. Hang on. I can change the description of the gist here. Huh. Well, but that's not and the it, exciting part. The exciting part is oh, no, you I'm can not, create the gists from within VS Code. I'm, I'm just getting That's started. the exciting part to me. But also, no, no, but listen, my journey. My journey is then I see, for example, it, it's, got a, it's got really good documentation. It's already in notes for this episode. But like, for example, at the end of your description, you can make a tag. Like, you know, hashtag Dan, you know, hashtag Merlin, mm-hmm. right? Um, and why would you do that? Because guess what? Now you can organize all of your gists inside of the, uh, the, 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 what's it called, gist minder, gist, uh, gist pad. You can view these in groups. So show me these group by type or these code snippets. Are these notes? Are these whatever? Are these my scratch notes? Well, what's that? Guess what? You could have a development diary, a journal in here where you day by day, like day one, you can very easily just go create. It's almost like a blog. You could basically blog from Gistpad. It's nuts. But here's where it gets even better. So that's all really cool. That blew me away. If you've done the wiki functionality, like if you've done, if you throw in the right levers on GitHub, you could basically edit an entire personal wiki Absolutely on GitHub. Absolutely, you could. You're right. You're totally it's, right. It's bananas. So I think it might be the first link right now in the show notes. Go check this out because if you're like me, you look at it and go, Gistpad, hmm, okay, I wonder what that is. It's like, it's it's redonkulously powerful. <laughs> and I'll send you a screenshot of mine because I sent this to Alexandra yesterday. Um I'm just, Dan, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I love that you're doing this. This is the most nerdy I've seen you in a while, and it's it's uh, it makes me happy. Yeah, well, like, part of it is, you know, I mean... Happy. Some of it is, it is happy, but it's also functional. And it does dovetail with my new project in some ways, which is like, you know, trying to figure out how to put like with like in life. Mm. And uh, I'll just mention in passing, Ulysses had a nice update this week. Ulysses is very much, let's just talk, you know, now for something completely different. Ulysses is a writing app that has come such a long way. Ulysses to me used to be farcical when it first came out because it was by design. It was one of those. It struck me as one of those distraction-free writing environment. You can hardly do anything. There's two fonts in typewriter <laughs> mode. Wee! But th- it's come so far since then. It's got these this thing called material sheets. It's almost like a little Scrivener. It's beautiful to use. Scrivener being the incredibly powerful, oh complicated, my. book novel, so organizationally writing, powerful tool thing. Yes, be very afraid. Like Andy Anatko. And so Andy Anatko can make it sing. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he is who Scrivener was written for and its primary user and maybe do its you only user. See your, do you want to see your book as a corkboard with index cards? Do you want to see it as like, do, you know, do you want everything to change into Optima and, and get pooped out as a dot .mobi? And it's like, ah, yeah. Uh, yes, eventually, bye. Uh, but like these groups and these integrations and like now with Ulysses, it's got integrations. If you wanted to go to WordPress, microblog, like whatever it is, you can do all that writing in there. Why am I saying this? Because I can nerd out over here and have fun in VS Code. But at the 
uh, as they say, the end of the day, this is about a writing project. And it's just really neat that when I want to do the writing, I can open something like Ulysses on all of the platforms. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it, works, it works great. Now, what does Ulysses not do? This will be my final point, and I want to throw it to you for something you like. Um, guess what Ulysses doesn't do? It doesn't see. Remember, like, you were talking about how it doesn't see .task paper yes. in this app? Yes, Yeah, guess what? It doesn't see a ton of stuff. I, I could find a way, in the same way that I could use task paper to write a novel, I could conceivably use Ulysses to do task management, but boy, is that a bad idea. Because they've made it to be something that's for writing. But it's all just text. It's If you want to open this thing and do the writing, just open it and do the writing. Those same kinds of text files all live in this same big pile. But I just that's, that's an old idea I need to be reminded of that's still very powerful. Which is, and I used, to, I used to feel a little sensitive or defensive about people saying, God, why do you have so many calendar apps on your phone? And it's like, well, they sync. Like... I think it's easier to enter things in Fantastical. I think it's easier to like look at things in BusyCal. Like I, why would I want to choose? Like it's it's like saying, well, you're only allowed to have like one knife for everybody on your block. No, I can have all the all the knives that I need. Like it's not going to make me a good chef, but it sure does give me flexibility. Am I gonna am I gonna cut up a, a cube of cheese or a rib roast? Like. Give me different knives. Maybe I want to dismember a body. Like, give me the right knife. And in this case, this is all text in some form or fashion. Text with different suffixes, text with that can be associated with different apps. But now I'm, I'm developing this idea of this, these modalities where like I can just disappear into doing this thing for a while. Dan, it makes me happy. I'm it's an exciting world. I'm I'll happy come back when, to it later, I'm but happy it's making when you're happy. Thank you. Well, I just want people to be happy. Um, we are running long. Mm. I don't think I really have too much time to do my unified field theory on energy. I'll do a two-minute version <laughs> okay, after you tell go. me about something you like. Good. Well, you know, before you mentioned it, uh, and uh, and it, it's, it was apropos because that is our sponsor. You talked about Squarespace. Oh, come on. That's our second sponsor, Merlin. It's Squarespace. Damn, Squarespace. Squarespace. And you can do you so girl. much. with. We've watched Squarespace grow. From Remember just a tiny little Ryan into a giant with his long hair, his moppy hair. Yes. 11 years old when he started there. He started at 11 years old. 11 years you know, old, he had living to, in New York City on his own. Mom had to drive him every day, you know, and stand yeah, he, outside he, while he did his work. He, he shared a bouncy castle with Macaulay Culkin <laughs> and Elizabeth Perkins. Squarespace. <laughs> 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 little Ryan. He's gone Everybody from there, though. Ask he yourself how Elizabeth Perkins felt in that, uh, when she found out, huh? Things you oh, can do with Squarespace. That's a boy. I was, was a boy. You can, <laughs> you can turn your cool idea into a new website. You can showcase your work. You can announce an upcoming event. You've got an online business. You have a physical business. You're a restaurant. Are you a restaurant and you want to show your menu and talk about your COVID precautions? Whatever it is, you can do it with Squarespace. They have beautiful templates created by world-class designers. Everything's optimized for mobile right out of the box. You can customize, look and feel the settings of products. Did I say products? That's right, because you can products. sell anything online. No, got you can't. Dan, it's a website. You can't sell things on the internet. In. What are you talking about? With shipping stuff built in. What? So if they put like three things what in about the my cart, email newsletter? calculate the shipping for them. Everything Jeez, is there. What about my thing? What about my logo? What about my gallery? Where am I going to put all this they stuff? They do it. Where they do it all. It? You can even register your domain mm. name there. You want a domain? Is it unique, there, Dan? Right? Is it a unique domain? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Do they guarantee that? Is that the Squarespace guarantee? Be honest. The future is coming. Make it brighter. With Squarespace. Oh. <laughs> this is what they want me to say. It's right here. 
I'm oh. reading what's on the thing. I'm reading what's on the thing. Okay, well then let the future finish. Here's another one. Here's another one. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Keep dreaming, but make it a reality with a website from Squarespace. Build it beautiful. Now, when you say that, are you talking about how you're building it or are you addressing the person who is building it? Well, it's a bit that I'm stealing way. from Elliot Kalen. Because they used to say, build it beautiful. And then Elliot started saying, build it, comma, beautiful. I think and it's I'm better just, with I'm the comma. Of, uh, I'm stealing his joke. It's his, it's his joke I'm up. How about this one? Yeah. A dream yeah. is just a great idea that doesn't have a website yet. Theodore Herzl. Herzl. Huh. Huh. I'm the walrus? If you will it, it is no dream. Phone's ringing, dude. See, now you got to watch it. I know. Squarespace, well, my son Squarespace. and I were, were re-watching it the other night. We're at the- Oh, good, uh, good, 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 good. What scene were what are you we up to? Okay, we are up to, I forget, but sometimes he'll, he'll make a comment. I've got the theater I wanted, you know, from my, uh, my cycle. <laughs> we're not at that point yet. Uh, Squarespace.com slash it's your <laughs> show. <laughs> and if you go there, you use the promo code it's your it's show, you'll get 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Squarespace.com slash it's your show. Go yeah, check it out. It's a good deal. That's a good it's deal. It's the best deal going. You're not going to get a better deal than 10% off. And uh, why not use it from us? If you I, get a better deal, it's a lie. Well, it's this a scam. Is, is, it's a Ponzi scheme. You can only trust us. If, if you, yes. Any any yes. other code yes. is bad and a Ponzi scheme. Our code, only good code. It's your show, comma, beautiful. Go check it out. If you want to start a site called uh, uh, PonziCodes.io, I cannot stop <laughs> no, you. No, you can't. Make sure that domain is unique. Yeah. Thank you, Squarespace. Buck, buck. Damn it, I had a funny bit too, but now I don't think we have time. No. Do you watch Bob's Burgers? No, I haven't seen that one. Hmm. Hmm. Um, you know what? We don't have time. I'm going to save it. I had a very funny joke about uh, about Teddy from Bob's Burgers from um, one of my favorite episodes of Bob's Burgers. I'm, I'm going to work on my energy, and I'm going to work on the most interesting part to me of this project is I, I realize I need to get my sleep squared away, my food and fuel budget. I need to work on like, I just, you know how it is like, not you because you're been fit, but like there's just times where I'm like, oh, I let everything get a little bit too frayed. Like one night I'm sleeping too much, one night I'm sleeping too little and that kind of stuff. But I also just realized like I, I, I kind of, in a vision, I had this, like I don't know if, I think you and I have somewhat similar complimentary feelings about what people call vacations. Like I'm like I argue with a friend of the show, John Syracuse, because he thinks pretty much everything's a vacation. And like, and I always retort, no, like a vacation for me is like, nobody expects anything of me and I'm allowed to do what I want. So ha ha staycation. No, but the idea of like, I still have this in my pocket from two Christmases ago. I have a Christmas gift in my pocket from pre-COVID, which is two days at Six Flags in Vallejo. I get to stay overnight and go on roller coasters all day. Mm -hmm. That's my idea of a vacation. I love my family, but sitting with them in an unair conditioned room in Rhode Island for two weeks, I'm going to just be candid here. That is not my idea of a vacation. No, into that. Let me count the reasons. This omnibus effort on energy. I realized that, yeah, I, I want to do one of those periodic every year or two sort of, I need to tidy up on how I'm managing my energy. Mm -hmm. But this is the only idea I wanted to toss out is that, I think like Teddy, uh, I want to make sure I have balance in my life. Um, and I'm going to, tr I'm tr going to try and start thinking about and working on, see, there's a reason I'm avoiding vacation. How do you put this? Scheduled time off, scheduled time away. 
Um, and then very focused effort on the times when I am here mm-hmm. and doing what I am doing. And this includes stuff like I don't want to be – I feel myself through COVID, I've slipped a little bit on being on time for things, being prepared for things. I mean, I don't think I'm lazy. Maybe it's because I discovered edibles. I don't know. But, like, I don't want to be – I want to make sure I've got my stuff wired right, that I do have balance, and I'm trying to figure out a way – those are all easy ways in. Like, oh, I'm tired. I should sleep more. Wow, good job, genius. What I really want to work on is getting better at knowing when I'm going to be doing what I'm doing for, let's say, work, and when I'm going to do what I'm doing for life. I did this – I managed to do this pretty well when my kid was born because I had the ability to do that because of my job, such as it was, but also because it was a 100% all-in thing. I knew I had the presence of mind and the training and the advice to know that when you have a kid and you want to be a, a dad, you need to like not do anything else. You have you now have two people who really super need you and not in a way where you get a cookie, but in a way where like, no, they actually like need you. And not because you're special, but because we just need that extra set of hands and mom needs to shower at least once this week. You need to really collapse on this project. And I want to find a way to recapture that energy and brio without needing to not have a job for six weeks. So I'm trying to figure out, like... <laughs> That's your package delivery right there. Phone's ringing. <laughs> I want to figure out how to do that without needing to like go on an exhausting and costly and stupid vacation like what if instead i said in the same way that i'm thinking about a lot about on do by friday we've been talking about we had a project about discovering the hidden repeating tasks in your life the stuff that you would like to be doing annually monthly weekly like like and that 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 project i thought it was a really good episode that project of figuring out what you didn't realize you'd like to be doing regularly is really instructive and i want to apply that same logic leavened with the approach of here's a baby who'll die if we don't take care of it to say how do i start firewalling not just the time that i'm working but really saliently i'm i'm going to be courageous about this how do i make sure i've got time to rejuvenate where I, i've got time I've got basically I'm I'm developing Vallejo time. I'm developing Six Flags time for myself. Like, do, does it need to be this big knock down a door thing of going on vacation for me to take a break? No, because I hate that. What if instead I said like time off, time away, time to rejuvenate, time when nobody's allowed to expect anything of me, mm-hmm. regardless of however much time I carve out for that, just to cover my ass here and not hopefully not sound like I'm retired. Like, what if I found time for that each week? What if I found time for that each month, quarterly, once a year? Yeah, maybe once a year, twice a year, there'll be like an actual vacation that I will, but I need to rehearse that by first getting better at saying, could be something, a pretty good arbitrary one is I'm not going to work on the weekends. I don't know if that's what it'll be because I like working on the weekends sometimes, but I'll get to decide that with muscularity. To Unlike Teddy and Bob's Burgers, I will find balance when I have the dream about the dolphin and accidentally set my bed on fire, I want to carve out in a mindful way the time when nobody's allowed to expect anything of me. Mm-hmm. And we both know that. And so, but to get there, the journey of that is figuring out what the hell I mean by this, but also like, yeah, getting my, getting my, my sleep, my, my rest and fuel squared away, but also having a certain amount of, um, having a certain amount of, um, affirmative muscularity to making those carve outs where like once a month, 
I mean, like, I think, I, did I tell you this? I think I told you this. Like, the, the, the prototype for this was over the holidays where I took a week off. And I don't even like saying that. I feel guilty when I say things like I took a week off. Because understandably, in this environment, in this economy, you could hear the voice of the internet going, take a week off from what? <laughs> Lol. Um, no, but like I got to do stuff. And like I wake up and I go to sleep knowing what everybody expects of me. Right. And I need some runway not just to take a break, although, yeah, I could use the break. But I also need, I need to start defending that time away um, with the same ferocity that I defend my fears that people will think I'm being lazy or fancy. So that's the project. The Energy Project needs a better name. Watch, uh, watch Bob's Burgers. It's very good. I bet that's hard for you. Watching the show? Difficult to find the carve outs of, of time. And yeah, like, it's very difficult. don't you, not, I don't know about you, but like, don't you always kind of feel a little bit like I can't unclench. Like I feel, <laughs> I feel like I'm in some constant like hellraiser thing where like, I'm always on yeah. the edge oh, yeah. and all the needles are getting pushed into my face. And I'm like, Hey, can I just have a minute here? Like here's, here's one. You ready for one, one to grow on. Minimize the number of conversations you have through a bathroom door. That's one of my new ones. I like it. I say yes. I've had to do it to myself. I've had to do it with others. If somebody's if somebody's making a two, it can wait. Yeah. Ooh. Like stop yelling at each other through doors. Like that's one of those things where you're like, you know, maybe the person that's making a two right now is actually just in there looking at their phone. And here I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about other people. Not you. And me. Not you. No, no, no. But I love to poop. But like also sometimes maybe you just need a minute. Mommy needs a minute. Or daddy in this case. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's the new project. Well, thanks very much to our sponsors, mailgun.com and squarespace.com. Thanks, everybody. And thank you, uh, most of all, to you, the customer. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Um, Rook Boys, you know, in the building at night. Oh, what a feeling I'm feeling, right? You know what I'm saying? I hear you. I hear you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you like Jay-Z? A lot. Did, did you see the halftime show at the, yeah, at the big game? Yeah, of course I watched it. Oh, my God. I, I hate to be that particular guy, but damn, that was good. I mean, it definitely was, I think, targeted at our generation. I thought it was entertaining. Well, I mean, like, I don't feel any special need to be a huge fan of Dr. Dre. I like the first NWA album, Improbably. It's good to see him back and, out there, though, you know? Yeah, though, I think I forgot about him. I forgot about <laughs> Dre. But, like, Mary J. Blige, call the cops. And then Eminem, man. He took a knee. Oh, my God. Mom's statement. spaghetti. Mom's spaghetti. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's palms are sweaty. Hey, um, <laughs> let's button this up. I love you. I love you too, Merlin, man.